pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Today we're going to be discussing Shabbat. That happens to be one of my favorite things. Good morning. Um, and actually there are two things from the Jewish customs that Pastor Larry taught my husband and I that I think, um, at least I confess that it saved my marriage. So I'll share these things with you today. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are our God, that you are in control, and that you take care of every issue that concerns us. Father, bless each person who's come to this class this morning. Anoint me to give the message and the words that you want them to get. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Well, Shabbat happens on Friday night. And it was a new concept to me that daytime from the Jewish calendar is from sundown, what I perceived as the day before, to sundown of the day that I was counting. So I always thought, well, isn't that an interesting way to look at time? And then I realized that that came from in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth and it goes through everything. And it says there was evening and morning the first day. So I'm the one that was doing it off base. They were the ones that were doing it right. So on Friday night, God said, I'm going to have a special time just for family. Now, Pastor Larry teaches that that's a time when God listens to the prayers of a woman. He always listens to our prayers, but on Friday night, it's a special time, and I'm going to give you the full meal deal of how to do it in your mind if you're on an airplane or in a business meeting, how you can do Shabbat in your mind, all the way to having the best crystal and sterling possible. In our home, when Friday night comes, I light the candles. I usually set them up on the uh, credenza that's underneath our television. And it kind of reminds me, ooh, Shabbat's coming, Shabbat's coming. So on Friday morning, I put the candles out. And I use tea candles. That's just kind of an easier way to be. But I have seen pictures on Facebook, just incredible tall tapers that look magnificent. But it's not the size of the candle. (laughs) So you can use whatever works for you and your family. So I light the candles. But before I do, I go through a little prayer And this is not the prayer that we currently have uh, available at our bookstore, but it's one that New Beginnings put together when we were back in Portland. So let me read to you. And by the way, I heard Pastor do a teaching. Um, He said he used to look at the Jewish people. They would be reading out of their prayer books. And when you go to Israel with us, you know, you'll you'll see them uh, with their their kippahs on and, and they're rocking back and forth praying. And Pastor used to, you know, kind of not make fun of them, but just like, they have to have a book. And then he realized that we have a tendency to either ignore a word or add a word. And it's like they are praying the pure word of God. They are praying exactly the prayer that was supposed to be prayed. So it's, once again, us that have kind of meshed with it a bit and made it perhaps not as effective as what the Jewish people do. So it says... um, Happy are those who consider the poor. That's from Psalms 41.2. I say that first because the very first thing that you do on Shabbat is set some money aside in a steadka box. Now, again, we've got some of the most elaborate steadka boxes for sale in our bookstore. Decorative ones, children's ones. In my home, we have a white pitcher. (laughs) 
do we not? <laughs> and that white pitcher sits on the counter next to the refrigerator, and that's where we put our money. So the first thing that I do is I say, happy are those that consider the poor, and then I put some money in that jug. What I like about the concept that God put together is that let's say that this little one realizes that she's going to put money in a jar. And then that family lets her know that that money is for someone who needs some help, an act of kindness, a steadka. So she gets to watch during the week and say, hmm, who needs some help? Now, she's probably not going to buy somebody a car, although she might, or something really big, but she's going to start noticing that maybe some of her schoolmates need a pencil, need something else. Maybe they need some tissues to take to school. Hi, come on in. Good to see you. So what she does is has the attitude that no matter what the household budget is, her family has more than enough. Her family has enough to share with people around her. And I think that's an incredible gift that we can give to our children. Now, depending upon what your budget is, that's how you determine how much money you put in that SEDCA box. For Don and I, we just kind of put money in there, and every once in a while, we'll find a project or a person that needs some help. We take that money out, put it in an envelope. Sometimes we give it anonymously, and sometimes we present it. Either way works, whatever works in your household and whatever the person in need needs. So that's the first thing that you do. And the Jewish teaching is that once you light the candles, you no longer discuss money. So that's why you have to put the money in the Stedka box before you light the candles. You say, well, why not discuss money? Well, we'll get to that piece. But it's important to know the order. But again, this is not a legalistic thing. This is not something that, oh, I forgot to put money in the Stedka box. Then all of a sudden you're running around and worrying about it. That's not what this is about. In fact, it reminds me, when you were growing up, did you open your Christmas presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas morning? What about you, Charles? When did you open your Christmas presents? In the morning, okay. What about you? Morning? You didn't open anything at night? No, okay. Okay, yes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, she said she waited until Christmas Eve midnight, and then, then they opened back presents. Okay. What about you guys? When did you, when did you open your presents? Yeah. Christmas morning. Okay, we've got a bunch of morning people. Me too. Okay, he said they got to open one gift on Christmas Eve, and then the rest were opened on Christmas morning. Now, Santa hadn't come yet when I was growing up, so it had to be a gift that I opened from family or friends, and then Santa came on Christmas morning, and then we opened the rest of the packages. Did you realize maybe when you got married or went away to college or had a roommate that somebody else opened Christmas packages different than you? I've got nods in the audience. Yeah. And don't we come at it with, hey, that's not the right way to do it. (laughs) You need to open one on Christmas Eve and then the rest on Christmas Day. It's kind of like that same application for Shabbat. There's no wrong way to do it. So don't get all upset if something doesn't go right, or if you're married and your, your partner is not lighting the candles or doesn't come in when you light the candles, don't worry about it. This is not a legalistic thing. This is a heart issue. So the first thing we do is we put money in the Stedka box, and then we go and we light the two candles. In a traditional Jewish home, you use a match to light the candles. That's why you see when pastor does the Shabbat, and you'll see the girls with the matches, 
I would much prefer from a operation standpoint that they use a lighter because that's a lot easier. It uh, definitely lights quicker and it doesn't give the opportunity for something to, to blow off. But God knew what he was doing. And I've never seen an accident happen so far. Although once in the other building, Pastor Tiz did light her fingernail on fire. <laughs> that, 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 that was a fun one. Okay, moving right along. And you don't have to edit that out. Anybody who listens to the CD gets to hear all the jokes and the, and the bloopers as well. So the first thing you say is we vow to fulfill the commandments of charity as we begin the Sabbath day. We remember the words of your prophet who called us to share our, our food with the hungry, clothe the naked, and never hide ourselves from our own kin. Think about that. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and never hide ourselves from our own kin. Now, a deeper teaching in that is that we don't necessarily go out with Pastor Wanderson and feed the homeless. That's, that's not what God's talking about. But maybe we sacrifice what we would pay for a meal, and we contribute to some of the feeding programs that we have here at the church. Yeah, I've got an applause from the audience. That fulfills that requirement of feeding the hungry. And if you see somebody, uh, oftentimes when I'm at certain stores, it seems like there's a lot of people that are, are uh, asking for help. And uh, I usually have a little bottle of water in my car. And so when they come up, I say, I'll be happy to give you a bottle of water. And about 99.9% .9 of the time they go, no, that's okay, because they're asking for money. <laughs> but it's like, hmm, okay, I will offer a bottle of water. That's it. Inside my car with my window only rolled down a small bit <laughs> because I'm going to be protective of my safety and wise, but I will offer them water. You see, Satan knows that most people have tender hearts. And so he will give us opportunities so that we can say, I've done that. But as we do it, sometimes we kind of have a question mark, like, what are they going to use that money for? What are they going to do with that? How is that going to work? There was a season when I worked uh, in a city outside of where, where Don and I lived, and uh, there were certain people that were always uh, begging uh, on the freeway exit. And I would see them as I pulled off the freeway, and it's like, I don't know, their signs look pretty organized. The print's big enough to be seen. It, it's nice and straight, so I'm not sure that they really are homeless. So I would pray and say, God, do I give him money? Do I give him money? Do I give him money? And finally, one morning, he said, yes. It's like, really? So I rolled down my window, and I handed the money out, and I went into the office. And sure enough, one of the loan officers was right behind me pulling off the freeway. And he said, hey, sucker. I said, pardon me? He said, yeah, I saw you give that rich old beggar off the freeway some money this morning. And in my mind, I start praying immediately, and it's like, Lord, you told me to do that. Now, how do I answer this? And God gave me this response. I give it to you so you can use it sometimes. I said, you know, I'm not responsible for what that man does with the money. But every morning when I pass him, I ask God, should I give him any money today? And this morning, he just happened to say yes. As I looked back at that whole exchange, it was like that donation had nothing to do with that man or, or the money. That donation had to do with me saying and doing something that a loan officer saw so that all of a sudden I had a chance to help him move a little bit closer to the Lord. You see, God will give you opportunities that look benign. They look like nothing in the world is going to happen with this. But you never know who's going to see it and how God's going to use it for good. We truly stand by the verse that all things work together for good. Even when it looks messy, when it looks bad, when circumstances are wackadoodle, 
all things work together for good. Well, let's get back to Shabbat. Okay. So after we do that, then you light the candles. Use a match. And if you use a, a butane lighter, again, it's not legalism. Just light the candles. And then you close your eyes. And in every Jewish home, every woman will three times circle over those candles. And if you ask them, they don't know why. That's the fun part. And Pastor Larry says it's for the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There are so many pieces that connect us to our Jewish roots that the Jewish people have no understanding of. And yet, because we're beginning to learn some of those customs and traditions that God set up himself, then we have the benefit of not only knowing where we are now with Jesus as our Messiah, but also how to pull in more blessings from what God had ordained and set up for us to do in the very beginning. Now, in a Jewish home, there is no blessing for the husband. In a Jewish home, they believe that a husband is blessed enough to have a wife and children. And all the women said, absolutely. Uh, Okay, moving right along. But if you are a single man or living, you know, traveling by yourself, then light the candles. There was a season when Pastor Larry was doing a lot of hunting, and uh, someone gave him a portable Shabbat kit. And so even when he was out hunting, he would pull out the candle and the two little candles, and he would welcome in the Sabbath rest. Because that's what this whole thing is about. Welcome in the Sabbath rest. Ah, a day when we can focus on God. I had an email recently that um, said, you know, I want to know what your ministry teaches about the Sabbath. Are you allowed to work or do any, anything whatsoever? And I thought, hmm, bless this person's heart. They obviously haven't watched too many of our programs. Because <laughs> Pastor Larry has always said, if you have a job on Saturday and you need to work, work. Because it's more important that you make money and feed your family than it is to sit on your blessed assurance and not have any income. When I was reading a book that was, um, oh, and his name just threw out, who's the, who's the guy that was, uh, I think, a senator? Lieberman. Thank you, Lord. Um, Lieberman wrote a book, and he said that sometimes on Friday nights, they would have late, late meetings and votes that were coming up. And he would stay and work because that was more important to God for him to fulfill his obligation of what his job was than to cut out early and go home. Interestingly enough, though, because in a true Jewish culture, they don't even ride in a car. We don't go that far. You're okay here. (laughs) So he would walk from the, the building that he was in to his home. He lived fairly close, but nonetheless, it was a walk. And in his book, he talks about how In the beginning, he walked alone, and then some of his staff realized what he was doing and honored him and walked with him. As soon as he got home in the book, he says that he showered and got dressed up, and he always brought flowers home for his wife. Now, when you go to Israel with us, you'll see on Friday, there are flower vendors everywhere because every man is going to be getting some flowers to bring home for their wife. Now, I'm going to be talking about some of these things, and you're going to go, this sounds more like a date than a Shabbat service. And that's exactly what it is. In the true tradition of a Jewish home, you have multiple generations. So a grandma would be working with the grandchildren, peeling potatoes, cutting onions, whatever was necessary for making soup, whatever was going to be a part of that meal. And the grandma would be imparting to the grandchildren the wisdom and why we do things. You say, well, why not the mother? All the moms in the house know. (laughs) 
that when you're busy getting ready for a dinner, you don't have time necessarily to sit and chat with your kids. So grandma gets to take that responsibility. Grandma gets to impart into the children. The children have some responsibility for that Shabbat meal all the way up, and they all come together. We have had mezuzahs on our door, um, you know, that little, and actually the mezuzah is the scripture inside. What we call a mezuzah is just the the case. But we have had those on our door for for as long as we've been with Pastor Larry. And one of the ladies that um, came to our door uh, for a medical thing, it's not important what the medical thing was, but um, she saw the mezuzah and I opened up the door and uh, she said, Shalom. I said, Shalom. And she stepped in and she goes, I don't smell dinner. And I realized, oh, she really is Jewish, and she's expecting me to have dinner, cooking, and smelling. And so I said, no, we join our other family for dinner. Oh, good, okay. And then she came in, and we went through the meeting. But I thought, wow. I mean, that's, that's how inbred it is. I mean, it would be like me going into your house and saying, you don't have a Christmas tree up when it's Christmas time. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have one up either. So I go to somebody else's house and they have a tree. <laughs> but the Jewish culture is so all-inclusive that they are, it's obvious I would be cooking a meal. I thought that was kind of telling. Well, anyway, then we bless our, hus- bless our husbands here at New Beginnings. We believe in, in that. So we bless our husbands and then our husbands bless us. The whole part of it then is that when we're closing our eyes after we light those candles, we are visualizing our family. I always visualize, and for those of you listening to the CD, I'm standing right now with my eyes closed. <laughs> I always visualize with Don, he's on my right side, and then my daughter's on my left, my son-in-law's next to her, that's, that's Kristen and Tim, and then Connor's my eldest grandson, so it's Connor and his wife Sarah, Lily, William, oh, and Sarah's pregnant again with a little boy, we're so excited, so this will be the third child, yay, then Kerrigan, and Kerrigan's not married yet, so I pray for Kerrigan and his future family, and Christian, my youngest grandson, and his future family, and I kind of see a, a cloud by each one of them in my mind, making space for whatever family it is that they're going to bring into our family unit, and then I thank God for my family, and I thank him. And, and bless all the boys, all the girls. I see them healthy. I see them happy. I don't see them necessarily as they are today. I see them in my mind as I'm believing and praying for them to be. You may not have that family that you want. There may be some things circumstance-wise in your family, decisions that your children or grandchildren have made to where they're not in that circle physically. But you visualize it. You speak it. God is listening. And that's a time where we can take our family to him and believe that it will come to pass. Now, you say that that sounds a little bit naive, Nancy. I'm not sure about that. Well, let me share a personal story with you. Our grandson, Connor, my first first grandchild, um, made some very creative life choices after he got out of high school and ended up in trouble. And while the time when he was in trouble and kind of moving from place to place and we weren't sure about his future or even his life, every Shabbat, I'm envisioning Connor. Now, at that time, he wasn't married. So I'm envisioning Connor healthy and happy and whole. And then I have that cloud for his future family and then his brothers. And it took quite a while. But eventually, Connor lined up with that vision that I had of him. When Connor got back on track, 
Don and my daughter had a much larger emotional reaction to his good choices and being proud of him. And I didn't have that same emotional reaction. And so I said to God, okay, why? He said, Nancy, you've been seeing that young man whole, making good choices for years. So for you, it wasn't that he finally stepped on the track. For you, it was you finally saw what you had been praying and believing for all these years. It didn't give me the same crying joyfulness that it gave my sweet husband and my daughter, but it was because I had been standing and all of a sudden that was lining up. The same is true with health. Uh, Shabbat doesn't necessarily oversee health issues, but uh, if you've got any family members that are ill or you yourself are ill, when you've got your eyes closed and you're envisioning, you say, thank you, Father, that my body is operating in the perfection that you created it to function in. Immune system, you line up with the word of God. Anything that is not in line with the word of God is chain gagged and muzzled and sent to the pit. And in its place, the spirit of God and the Holy Spirit rests in my body and brings me total health and healing. You are my provider. You are my portion. You are my healer, Heavenly Father. And you say those things at Shabbat. It's like a double clutching to say, I'm going to be healed. And you envision yourself whole and healed. Shabbat is just the most sweet time. Whatever. I can't imagine why someone would not want to. Okay, so the candles are lit. You've walked away. Uh, depending upon your preference and uh, your life decisions, you can either have a, a glass of wine or you can have uh, grape juice, whatever works. If you don't have either one of them, drink some water. <laughs> a lot of people in the Jewish culture make challah bread. And when they make the challah bread, uh, waiting for it to rise and everything, they pray. In fact, if you're friends with um, Ari on Facebook on, on Friday, she will say, I'm getting ready to make my challah bread. How can I pray for you? Because as she weaves the bread, she says prayers. In a traditional Jewish home, there would be two challah loaves because we get a double portion on Friday night. You don't have to have two whole loaves. I usually buy one and we have a piece of it. I give part to Don and I have part. And then I tear it up. Oh, that's the other thing. And again, the traditional house, you don't cut the bread. God doesn't care. But in the traditional house, you, you tear it apart. You don't cut it just so that you know everything. And if you, do, if you choose to cut it, that's not a bad thing. I mean, I'm just giving you the whole deal, and then you can step into it however God calls you to step into it. But I divide the rest of that loaf up and put it in the freezer. And then the next Shabbat, I pull that frozen part out, and that's what we have. And again, it's not that I didn't bake the bread, and my husband's laughing like she doesn't bake bread. I didn't bake the bread. I didn't have two loaves. It's not a legalistic thing. It's a heart thing. And if you're able to bake it, if you're able to buy two loaves, praise God. But if not, don't worry about it. Traditionally, there's a, a cloth underneath and a cloth on top of the challah bread. You can go to our bookstore, and Paula has magnificent um, challah bread covers. A napkin works just fine. Put a paper towel down. Put your two hunks of bread there. Cover it up. Expose it. Present it. Have a glass of wine and have some bread. Pastor says a cracker and, and a cup of coffee work just as fine. Again, it's a heart issue. You could do this whole thing to perfection. Sterling silver, masterful long matches, the tapers that are very, very tall, the large silver platter where the drippings from the candle fall down. And if your heart was wrong, it wouldn't matter. 
It's all a heart issue. The other part is that after Shabbat, you can't discuss problems. Now, in the beginning, that was kind of hard for us because we both worked. And so the weekend was a time where we talked about things. So all of a sudden, it was like, I can't talk about that. I can't complain about that. I can't share that. You keep your confession positive. And this was years and years ago before we had really indoctrinated ourselves that negative speech really is a bad thing to have in your house. (laughs) But I would have to think, okay, I better put that on a note so that as soon as Shabbat's over, I can talk to him about it. God doesn't care. As long as I was keeping my confession, my words, my thoughts good, that's what matters. And if you need to discuss something financial, discuss it. But as much as possible, make everything positive, make everything sweet, make everything uplifting. Pastor's real cute in Portland. He used to say, if you can do it for one day, you might be able to do it for two. And then he would always say, oh my gosh, it's a cult. They're trying to get us to taste, taste positive things. But the truth is our words create. How many of you have been following the uh, Count the Omer? Today is the last day. Okay, today was incredible. Close yourself with words. And the whole thing was talking about the importance of our words. And I talked about a plant lives in the world, but it lives in the dirt. So it has rain, sunshine, and nutrients from the dirt. An animal walks around, um, so he has some movement and so forth. But it's not like a human. The human is the only one that has words. And words create. Now, we've been taught this by Pastor Larry since probably the first day you stepped into the church. But the whole thing was that we clothe ourselves in words. So why in the world would I let anything fall out of my mouth that isn't going to be uplifting for me and my family? Now you say, well, my circumstances require that I say some things. (laughs) Well, pray. Find out about whether or not there's another way that God might want you to say it. And as soon as you learn to watch your words, and you're pretty good at that, then God will let you know about your thoughts. (laughs) because our thoughts are also something that we need to take captive. That's why God's word says, guard your heart and your mind, your words and your mind in Christ Jesus, so that you don't think negative things and you don't say negative things. I was the queen of rehearsing. If Charles had done something to me, I would rehearse in my mind. I should have said this. Next time I'm going to say that. Now, when he said this, I could have done that. And I would go over and over and over about, you know, what was going on. And now, all that, hmm, Charles said that and I said this. And then as soon as I get that part out, it's like, Father, fill my mind with your thoughts. Fill my emotions with your emotions. And I back away. Because at this stage of my life, I've kind of gotten pretty good with my words. So I'm working on my thinking. (laughs) And I was thrilled to discover Dr. Caroline Leaf. If you haven't read any of her material, look her up. She is a scientist who is actually, because of equipment and technology that's advanced, she's photographed the brain, and she's photographed that when we think fear or negative thoughts, it creates a dark chemical that causes our body stress and brings on disease. And when we think good thoughts, happy thoughts... It's another chemical that's released that brings us health. She has several seminars and several books, but that's the bottom line. Your thinking creates chemicals in your mind. Um, You know how God, in in the New Testament, or the Old Testament, it said to to, uh, put God's word, you know, on the front of your head? 
and I always thought that was so silly. And then when you're over in Israel and you'll see him with those boxes, you know, it's like, oh my gosh. But Dr. Caroline Leaf talked about that there's an almond-shaped thing right, right between your eyes up here. And that's where we take stimulus in. And it sits there for just a, a tiny second and we can push it out. And then it doesn't get into our brain. But we've never been trained to do that. So if your eye gate sees something and you shouldn't be looking at it, look away. If your ear gate hears something and you shouldn't be hearing it, move away. Start singing or humming and that'll help. If you start thinking something, rebuke it. Move away. Because that's what I consider God's spot to say, are you sure? Are you sure you want to see this, hear this, say this, feel this? And once I put it away, then my brain stays okay. But if I let it get through that into my brain, then it starts growing. And the sad thing is that the more I rehearse it and the more I dwell on that negative thought, the more real estate it takes up in my mind. And the less I have in my mind and the chemicals in my brain to help keep me healthy and whole. I value me too much. I'm too selfish. I value me too much to let someone else steal my joy. I'm not going to give someone else that much power in my life. And they may be whacked, but it's not going to touch me. I'm going to keep right on going, lighting my candles, seeing things that are, that are not as though they were, thanking the Lord for what he has given me and moving on. Now, in a Jewish home, um, and that, this is a true story. We, we do know a lady. She was born and raised in Israel. She has special dishes that she uses for Shabbat. Some of you may have Christmas dishes or Thanksgiving dishes. Uh, she has Shabbat dishes. She has special linens that she uses. Um, she has special. Um, um, she has a special nightgown that she wears on Shabbat. <laughs> and when she gets ready to light the candles, she doesn't call the whole family in. She goes into her dining room because I've been in her home on Shabbat and lights the candles, does the three, says the prayer, and then walks in and announces to her family. Shabbat Shalom. And then everybody, it's kind of like the curtain is drawn. Everybody knows, okay, we don't talk negative from here on out. And I watched her do that for several times. And it's like, okay, she's not doing it right. She's supposed to have her husband there. She's supposed to say this. And then God reminded me, Nancy, 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 this is not a legalistic thing. Everybody does Christmas different. Everybody does Shabbat different. The important thing is that you have your heart right. It's like, okay, I won't judge her, Lord. Well, in a traditional Jewish home, um, they have several glasses of wine. They celebrate, they play games, they have fun. The kids go off to bed, grandma and grandpa go off to bed. And then that special nighty that I was talking about, you can go further down the road. That's her time to be with her husband. What, what, with what they do or what they don't do is none of my business or yours, but it's a special time where she connects with him so that it's their time to be together. She had enough wine, so it worked really well for her. Um, But as she did that, her children had to come back for that meal. I was also in her home when her adult children begrudgingly came back in because mama said so. And they brought friends with them because they were all going out afterwards, not necessarily doing what mama wanted, but they were going out afterwards. And so Don and I have been at the very large table where their boy had some of his friends and their daughter had some of her friends. And they gulped down the meal and kissed mom and kissed dad and took off to go have fun. 
But there was a connection. There was a sitting down and breaking bread. And the friends knew that came with the son and the daughter. And mom and dad knew. And then Don and I as guests, we knew this was a family time. It could not be broken. That family had some creative choices by their children as well. And yet that mama kept envisioning her children lining up with the word of God. And today they are. <laughs> their daughter married a Jewish man. He converted. He's, he's probably more Jewish than their son is in his practice in his heart. Her son is married. His wife is expecting. So I have another live example of a woman who stayed true to God's calling and envisioned what she was believing for and saw it come to pass. Now, I'm going to read you a list of things that, um, and you'll notice that it's laminated. Um, Yvonne and I have the privilege of setting up the Shabbat table or anything when pastor does any special teaching. So we finally made a sheet to make sure we didn't forget everything. Um, my, my game, and I say it's a game because it's kind of like, okay, we got everything. I want to have everything that Pastor Larry might ask for. I don't know how many of you were around when he was talking about, you know, the black cloth was not right. It should be a white one. And we're kind of looking at each other. And I went to Pastor Scott and I said, is that true? And he said, I've never heard that teaching. And it's like, okay, I'm going to get one, one more thing. One more. He's not going to catch me again. So we made a laminated sheet. So here it is. Two loaves of challah bread. Central Market always has them. Silver plate for the bread. Embroidered bread cover. And plain white cloth napkin for the bottom. <laughs> Silver bowl and pitcher. You see, Pastor does wash his hands. And that cup has two handles because you use one handle to wash this hand. And then you use this hand on a clean handle to wash the other hand. I've seen Pastor Larry hand wash baptism before he preaches. I've seen him do that before he started working on a book that we were working on. Um, he does that. He does that. Honey and I so far haven't, although he has a nice two-handled cup from Israel uh, in his office. So we have all the paraphernalia for it. We just haven't done that yet. Maybe soon. Um, Okay, a black hand towel to dry his hands. A salt shaker. One time I didn't have a salt shaker, and he said, there's no salt shaker. So it's like we've had a salt shaker ever since. He hasn't used it since, but he's got it. The salt shaker is because in uh, uh, old times, Jewish custom was to put salt for covenant. And so a lot of people have a salt shaker and they put salt on the bread. Honey and I don't do that either, but at least we know the custom. Grape juice. Yvonne and I decided, because if you've been here for Shabbat, you've heard pastors say, oh, it's not wine. So we decided to get real wine one time. And so we had real wine. We had it in the cup. We had it on the table. And Fortunately for me, I happened to mention it to John Wilson. And I said, watch Pastor's face. We got real wine in his cup. And John turned around and went, oh, no, 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 no. Go get that off the table. <laughs> and he went like, ah. <laughs> so we went back to the grape juice. But you can have grape juice or you can have wine, whatever. Um, the cup is to be half full, not, not completely full. You'll see three candles when we light them because a girl about 11, 12, sometimes 10, she starts lighting her own Shabbat candle. Now, let me tell you why I think God did that. Okay, so I'm a 10, 12-year-old girl, and all of a sudden I start lighting my candle. And what am I saying? I'm saying that I will be true to my heavenly father until he brings me the man that I'm supposed to marry. 
That's a lot better than me meeting with my girlfriends or my aunts and asking, do you have a boyfriend yet? Because those questions or listening to my girlfriends talk about their boyfriends puts my mind in a different place. But if every Friday night I'm lighting a candle saying that I'm going to be married to God until he brings a man for me, then I have a better attitude about saying no to some of the people who ask me out and saying yes to the right ones. I like that concept. So if you have a young, young daughter, have her light a candle. A clear glass plate so that the candles have something to sit on because they drip. Matches. <laughs> and then a table big enough for all of these items. That's what's on our, our list. <laughs> so we know that he has to have all of that, but he also has to have enough room for his Bible and his notes. Pastor celebrates Shabbat in his home with his family, uh, but not all the children come in all the time. The family has grown to the point now with enough activities that a lot of times the kids are involved in different things. But nonetheless, they touch base so that they know Shabbat Shalom, happy Sabbath, Sabbath rest, Sabbath peace. It means that you can exhale and not worry. It means that you can thank God for being your provider, no matter what's in your checking account. You can thank God for being your healer, no matter what the the report came back from the doctor. You can thank God for the things that you do have. We are spoiled in America, and I use that word with a capital S. No matter where we are, we have more than most of the rest of the world. And so the least we can do is thank God that he had us born in America. Let us not lose sight of that fact, and let us continue studying to know who to vote for, And standing up for the things that we know are right. Not in an ugly manner. We don't fight against people. We fight against the devil. So we love people and we bind the devil from interfering in our life. You can find um, candle holders in the bookstore and candles. She also has that. She also has the sheet, the Shabbat card that you can read. She also has the uh, challah bread cover. We used to have a guy that made hollow bread, and he would come to the church. That was when we were in the other building. Remember him? Oh, the bread man. He would come and he had little loaves and big loaves, and, and you could order it from him and then buy it. It was so good, so good. I don't know what happened to him, but he's, he's gone. So if any of you are bakers and you want to start a business, learn how to make hollow bread, you've got a market here that'll, that'll buy the bread from you. <laughs> and there are certain communities that has um, more of an option than that in others. Uh, our daughter lives in California, San Diego area, and there's a Jewish community there. And uh, we could go in, and they would have a little hollow bread. And they had cinnamon and raisin. Oh, so good. And then also some uh, more spicy ones. But whenever we were down there, that was fun to get the hollow bread. And the little ones are just as holy as the big ones, so you don't have to have to worry about that. So any questions that you have about Shabbat? We've got about another two or three minutes before we dismiss, because a lot of you are volunteers, I know, and so you need to be on post. Yes? Oh, you're talking about the, the, what we have on Passover? Matzah? Matzah is used on Passover because when the, chi- when the children of Israel left, or in any Baptist church, <laughs> I grew up Baptist and we always had matzah. I didn't know it was matzah. We just called it a flat cracker. Um, but that is specifically used for Passover. But if it works for you and you've got it, use it. So you can, so you can, so you can 
you can. Um, where you are with the Lord and the, and the ministries that you're involved in, I would probably get some bread or something or get a, get a loaf of hollow bread and then tear it up in little tiny pieces and then just take one out. Um, again, it's not a legalistic thing, but it's just you're going to do it kind of the, as close as you can to the way that God, did, God ordained it. Um, like I said, in the Baptist church, we always had the flat, dry, ugly bread uh, or the styrofoam wafers that are on the cups that we have. Um, and again, if that's all you have in your home, then absolutely, you eat it with joy. But if you have a chance to kind of plan ahead, then that might be something that you want to do. Okay, you're welcome. Any other questions? Yes, ma'am. The tradition is two challah breads. But um, for my husband, yeah, for my husband and I, we, uh, um, the tradition is that you don't cut the bread, you tear it. So I buy a loaf of challah bread, and then I tear two hunks off for Shabbat, and then I tear the rest of it up and put it in the baggie and put it in the freezer so that the next time I can pull out some challah bread. Now, when we were not watching our food consumption as close as we are now, challah bread makes incredible French toast. However... Oh, my mouth is watering right now. French toast every single Saturday morning did not seem to be in line with, with keeping a, a manageable weight. So we don't do that anymore. But yes, in a traditional home, a traditional sense, and if you have enough people that you're you know, feeding for Shabbat, then yes, two loaves. And there's a cover underneath and a cover on top. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, honey, we're going to have to have some French toast. Yeah. Uh, if you hear me talk about honey, that's my husband. I call him honey. Any other questions about Shabbat? Okay, what if you're on a road trip? You're in a car. Can't close your eyes, certainly not. You can't light a candle. You go into your inner mind and say, Heavenly Father, you see, you see where I am physically, and you know that I can't close my eyes and light a candle. But Father, I am, I'm envisioning myself, the, the Shabbats that I've had in the past, lighting those candles. Thank you, Father. And don't close your eyes while you're driving. Do the three. And then you envision your family and you speak out loud those things that you're believing for. God is not so concerned about getting every I dotted and every T crossed. That's religion. He's interested in your heart. And if all you can do is say, Father, I welcome in the Sabbath. Thank you that you've given me a season and a time where I can be with you, where I can rest in your love and grace. And if that's all you do and you pray that in a bathroom stall at work or wherever you are, that's enough. That's it. Because you are acknowledging that you are setting aside this time. You're dedicating it to God and you're doing what he asked you to do. Any other questions? Okay. In Portland, um, when Pastor Larry was there, we used to do uh, about once a month, I think it was, Shabbat, actually have a Shabbat service. And then people who had never done Shabbat, they could come and kind of see how things went. And then some of our life group leaders who had very large life groups, they, they would come and bring their life groups so that they could all do Shabbat together. So there are a number of ways to do it. Um, in Israel, you'll find stations. It's kind of like this whole row would be little tiny tea candles. It almost looks Catholic. Little tiny tea candles. Actually, Catholics almost look Jewish. Little tiny tea candles, and the women will come and light the candles and then put the match in some water and do the prayers and then take off. And they don't do anything necessarily with family, but they have the Shabbat candles to light. 
So when you go to Israel with us, you'll see a number of different practices. When you have a family with children and then you want to invite people over. Um, there was a time when we were at our Jewish friends that I mentioned that she has a special lingerie. Um, and uh, he asked Don to do something. I can't even remember what it was. But I remember thinking, Don doesn't know how to do that. And, you know, Don kind of fumbled through because he really didn't know how to do that. It might have been one of the prayers. I don't know. And I'm thinking, why would he do that? Why would he do that? And then Pastor Larry taught, you know, that if you do, even if it's the wrong thing, if you do one thing, you're one step closer. And the Jewish concept is if I have someone who I know is not used to this kind of teaching, I'm going to bring them in. I'm going to ask them to do something because they're getting us a little bit closer to what God wants. Now, isn't that a much better way to think of things than rather than, you know, Don, I'll work with you. Next time you can get that prayer right. That's religion. God is saying, bless whatever contribution they bring. Oh, one more thing. Thank you, Lord. For the kids, uh, when the man is blessing the mom, he can tell the, the children, um, I want you to watch mom this week. And then next Sabbath, on the Shabbat, I want you to thank her for one thing that she did for you this week. So the children, rather than hunting for what mom didn't do, start hunting for what mom did do. And then when he's blessing his wife, each child then has a chance to say thank you for something. Do you see how many beautiful traditions are wound into this where God is trying to cement the family together? Amen? Well, I need to close because you volunteers have got to get to your positions. But thank you for being here. And hopefully you have learned something or at least you'll have a giggle in your spirit next time when you use your lighter rather than a match and go, God, I, you know, I know, but you know, I love you and you love me. And enjoy it rather than being worried about doing it perfect. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that your, your word, Torah, is full, full of things that you have put in place to bring us joy, happiness, to solidify our family unit. Father, we love you so much. Thank you that you give us grace, but you also call us into deeper waters to know you even more. Bless each person that's here today, Heavenly Father, and bless each one who's listening to it on a CD. We thank you. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. See you next Sunday.